Hello, lovely listeners. It is episode six of Clarification, the psychology podcast by me, your host, Claire Adamson. I did a bachelor in psychology along with many other subjects, but as a learner, a lifelong learner, I'm always looking to see how we can make sense of the world and people's behaviors through psychology concepts. And on this podcast, I aim to bring you these concepts coupled with personal life stories so we can make psychology a little bit more clear, a little bit more clear, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sat and today I came well prepared with like some snacks, some Haribos, a little juice because there's no need for the microphone to be picking up on my stomach grumbling. It was my birthday last week and so I was celebrating for almost a week straight and it's not like I was shouting but my voice is raspy. My voice is dry almost and I've been drinking my ginger shots and honey and you know if you're Kenyan you know the dawa combination but nothing has been working and so I said let me sit and record with this voice anyway because this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. In last week's episode of clarification I talked about voice confrontation. So that is the experience when you hear your own voice on a microphone and also about self-discrepancy theory. So what happens in our minds when we notice that there's a difference between who we want to be and who we think others want us to be. And I talked about my own personal insecurities about seeing myself on camera and smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> I thought about this a little bit more and it's we have it's one thing to acknowledge having these insecurities. My next step then in my own brain and for everyone listening is then thinking how do we change these insecurities? Change is a really big topic or difficulty. It's a point of pain for me in my life. Honestly, I hate change like I my friends know this about me. I have a couple of restaurants that I like and the things that I like on the menu and I will order the same thing every single time because I don't want to be disappointed, at least not by food. And it's, you know, one thing to admit that you hate change, but saying you admit saying that you hate change also is almost the same thing as saying that you hate growing because I think we all know that in order to grow, things need to change. One of the other quotes on my vision board this year was, if you want to go somewhere that you've never been, you have to do things that you've never done. And so change, I noticed that I needed to have a better relationship with change because I was resisting it so much that I was staying in the same spot again and again, asking myself, why isn't anything different? Why? Because I was doing the same things repeatedly. So I wanted to look deeper into psychology to understand why is it that human beings hate change? What is it about us that wants things to remain the same? One common theme or idea that has become more popular in psychology recently is this idea of the brain as a predicting machine as a almost a computer that is constantly looking into the future to anticipate and prepare 
what you need for the future scenarios. So if our brain is this computer, then all the inputs and all of our past experiences are the points and references of data that our brain is now using to predict future scenarios. With this in mind, then we begin to understand that when our environments are constant and not changing, it's easier for our brains to predict what to expect from the future and therefore remove that uncertainty and unease that can come with not knowing about the future. In the same line of thinking, I realize how humans don't like change because it's easier and more comfortable to just be doing one thing the similar way that you've done it for your whole life. I read a book last year that one of my friends recommended me. It's a really interesting read. It's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. And he says a lot in the book. There are a couple of valuable things I would like to pull out and share today. And one of them is this idea of a personality, like saying, oh yeah, I just do this because it's the way I am. It's the way I've done things for years. And the way he describes this in the book is you think about a day. Within a day, you experience many emotions, many feelings. And out of those emotions, sometimes you experience an emotion for a couple of seconds, but then it lingers, it stays around and it turns into a mood. So you woke up, the sun was shining, you feel good, you're smiling, you're happy for a couple of seconds that you see the sun shining, but then that feeling and emotion transforms into a mood and you have like a good mood for the rest of the day. And within a couple of days, or rather when a mood lasts for a couple of days, then it becomes a temperament. And over our lives, we experience many different kinds of moods and temperaments, but the ones that stick around a lot, we take those and we call those our personality. For example, especially when I was younger, I didn't like change. And when things didn't go my way, I would be really, really irritated. But something would happen. I wouldn't get my way. I'd be angry about it. And then I would let that emotion sit and turn into a mood. And I was just a very like grumpy, stroppy child that would get angry about these things and then hold on to them for such a long time. And I was like, yeah, it's just who I am. That's how I behave. But what Joe Dispenza explains in the book and one phrase from my university psychology teacher, which really stuck with me when I think about the brain and how it works is this phrase that what fires together wires together so if you have this way of being it's a mood that you consistently return to what happens is it's activating different parts in your brain and they're working together in tandem and then once you do it multiple times over and over again that pattern of thinking or that behavior is reinforced in your brain as something that you would now refer to as your mood or your personality. And so in the book, Joe Dispenza is talking about how to break out of these habits that we've collected from just trying to survive this world that we've collected and that we now call our personalities. Because I'm acutely aware of the fact that there are a lot of moods and habits and personality traits of mine 
that I had accepted as natural to myself, but were harmful to me. And I just wasn't working on changing them because I felt like that's who I was. Like that was my identity. In fact, on a physiological level, we see examples of children being brought up in a stressful environment, either experiencing poverty or abuse. They have very elevated cortisol levels and cortisol is the stress hormone. So if you spend your whole childhood with very high elevated cortisol levels, when you become an adult and perhaps you're lucky and have the privilege of moving away from that abusive or stressful environment or escaping poverty, then your body is in some way addicted. It has become naturally accustomed to having high levels of cortisol. So even though you might have left the stressful situation, your body is still craving that stress because it's become its natural and default mode of functioning. So then people who have been able to move away from stressful situations can still find themselves recreating stressful situations or choosing things for themselves that would be stressful because it's what their body has become accustomed to living in a state of stress. In fact, you see in these situations then actually experiencing peace and feeling at ease and calm would be alarming or uncomfortable to individuals who have become accustomed to stress in this way. Further in the book, Joe Dispenza goes on to talk about quantum physics and how we could manifest new realities for ourselves. And I'm not here to endorse that message or tell you that you're not manifesting hard enough. That's why you're still poor. No. But I do want to take a moment to think about another psychology topic, which I thought was super relevant to this. And this is the idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's this idea that if you believe that nobody likes you, you're most likely going about the world in a way that expresses to people that you don't like them. If you're afraid that people don't like you, you might like look at them weirdly or never open up or talk about things or sit further away from people because you're afraid that they don't like you. And in turn, you're creating a scenario where people are not going to like you because of the way that you're behaving. But these two things reinforce each other. To make this even simpler to understand, I will also share a diagram on Instagram. But so to break this down, you have the prophecy, nobody likes me. And then you have your behavioral response. And the prophecy that you have in your mind influences your behavioral response. So behaving, withdrawing from the group, not making eye contact, not smiling. And this leads to the expected outcome, which is people don't like you because you never say hi to them. And then this confirms the prophecy and this is the self-fulfilling loop. But I thought about it that if it's possible that you can confirm these negative beliefs about yourself, what about positive outcomes? And there's no way to psychologically and empirically and statistically measure and track these things because it's cause and effect is a bit harder to study when you think about your own perceptions and beliefs and outcomes about a situation. But it just made me think a little bit more about the science of manifestation. 
that aside, I wanted to now begin to talk about my own experiences and what is it that I was trying to change. So for a long time, I didn't have a very good self-esteem. I would feel bad about myself and this would reflect in how I see images of myself and just not feeling positive feelings towards my own image. And this is something that I was really working on with my psychologist because it was this thing of, I am insecure. I'm an insecure person and that's my personality. And when we think about what wires together, fires together, certain patterns of thought would occur. I would start to look in the mirror and be like, oh, you have a pimple. I would look into the mirror. I would look even closer at myself and pick the pimple and make it even worse. And then take a step back and be like, oh my God, look, now your whole face is red. And it was just reinforcing this cycle of thinking. And it just became really easy in my head to be like, you're so ugly. I hate myself. These things that became my default pattern of thinking. And now how to break the habit of being yourself, how to step away from being like, I'm an insecure person. I don't feel good about myself was a really difficult thing to do. And it's not done. I'm still in the process of undoing those things. But I have a tip, a tip from my psychologist, because we're doing therapy in some way, shape or form here on these episodes. It's definitely therapy for me. But one thing that my psychologist shared with me is that I would often write down gratitude lists or some kind of self-affirmations in my notebook and then close the notebook and never look at these things again. So she suggested to me, why don't you write these things down on sticky notes and put them on your mirror where when you go into the bathroom at night to wash your face, brush your teeth, instead of now just like staring at your skin under a microscope, read your sticky notes instead and allow your brain to reabsorb the knowledge or be reacquainted. Re-remind yourself, what are these things that you do love and How can we now introduce different patterns of thinking? Another tool from my psychologist, and this is me giving you free therapy tools, guys, because I also want to share something back with you so you feel like you're really getting something out of these 20 minutes that you choose to listen to me. My cognitive behavioral therapist, and let's even break down what that term means. So cognitive is the idea of the mind and cognition, which is your thoughts. And then behavior is like what kind of habits and patterns are in your daily life. So cognitive behavioral therapy works under the notion that if you change certain thoughts and patterns in your mind, then you can change habits and patterns in your day-to-day life. So he told me about this tool called the three C's. So if you're having a thought of like, oh my God, my skin looks bad, I hate myself, First of all is catch. You look at that thought and you just, you analyze it. You say, wow, that's a really negative thought. Should I be talking to myself like that? Then you challenge it. You say, but am I ugly? Like, am I really ugly for real? No, (laughs) you have to see your thoughts not as fact, but just random things that come up in your brain as a result of your habits that you've formed in your life and those habits are all based on your past experiences so then you catch this thought you challenge it 
and then you continue? Or what was the third C? Dr. Lambert, I know you're shaking your head listening to me right now. If you are, you're probably not listening to this. It's cool. And you know what? Because you're not listening, it's fine that I don't know the other C. You catch and you challenge it. And if I can remember, next week we'll come back again to this. And I'll tell you what the final tool was because it really helped me to start seeing my thoughts more objectively and allowing myself to be like, is that thought really true? No, it's not. And if you wouldn't speak to the younger version of yourself like that, then why would you say that to yourself now? It takes a lot, a lot, a lot of effort to change habits and patterns of thinking. And so be gentle with yourself if you don't get it right all in one day, which you won't, which I have not, it's still okay to wake up and try again and be in this constant phase of breaking out of the habits that do not serve you anymore. Now, since we're speaking about habits and patterns that are difficult to change, I think it would be disingenuous for me to leave this out of the conversation because as much as insecurity has been a really big problem and pain point for me in my life. Another habit that I've really struggled to break is smoking weed. And I don't know, someone's going to be like, how could you say that on a podcast? But you know, I'm trying to be living out loud and as open as possible. And I can say that for three years of my life, I had a weed addiction where I would probably smoke weed every single day. And Weed is almost normalized in our culture in a way that people are like, oh no, weed is not a drug. It's from Mother Earth. And I'm of that belief. Like, I don't really see it as a hard drug, but I'd recognize within myself when I'd started, when it had become an addiction, when I couldn't do anything else without first needing to smoke. That's when I knew it was a problem. And even when I knew it was a problem, because it was a habit and it because it had become a part of my personality, like, oh, I'm a stoner, I'm a smoker, it became so hard to let go of. And psychiatrists often tell me this, it's weed is not often physiologically addictive in the same way that nicotine or alcohol is, but it's psychologically addictive, which can be even more powerful to break. But I'm here to spin a success story in some way, shape or form because this year during Ramadan, I was inspired by one of my very close friends who also recommended the book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, to me. And I was inspired to partake and participate and um, observe Ramadan and become sober from all of my bad habits And it was in this time, for the first time in three, four years, that I had been voluntarily sober. And the first couple of days, I was like, this is easy, you know. Not eating food was kind of hard, but not smoking was so much harder. The second day that I did it, I was ready to cave. I'd rolled myself a joint and I was going to smoke it. And my roommate saw me and she was like, what are you doing? And I said, I was going to smoke. And she said, no, you said that you were going to observe Ramadan. So I want to see you do that. And I said, you're right. And then came the withdrawals of actually the psychological withdrawals of 
I can't sleep. I can't focus. I can't eat anything because weed was being used as a crutch in all aspects of my life like this. And by the time the month was over, I had completely broken the habit of being myself. I had started reading more, doing more yoga, taking care of my space. I had implemented and introduced new habits into my life that were enriching me more. And it's safe to say that I started smoking weed again after that, uh, after that month. But my relationship to it had changed so drastically that it's no longer something that I'm doing every single day or just think about getting home in order to do that thing. And I think that's pretty great. I'm pretty proud of myself. And I would like to see myself in a world where maybe I don't smoke at all. But in fact, it's probably harder to do what I'm doing right now. Abstinence entirely to completely stop doing the thing, to remove it from your life, to make sure that you don't have any ties to it, can really separate you from that. But if it's still in your life in some way, I know a part of me wants to go back to the previous Claire, the old myself, the habits of myself and the habits that I would do. But what I truly and genuinely realized in the month of sobriety was that I couldn't go where I'm going if I kept smoking weed every single day and dissociating and binge eating and watching cartoons and not thinking a single thought of my own. I knew I couldn't go where I wanted to go. And this is not any hate or any accusatory nature. There are people who smoke weed and do great things, but personally it wasn't working. And to continue in this way and think that something could possibly somehow change was also a lie that I was living in. And I've tried to stop lying to myself so much this year. And so that's what I have to say on addiction, breaking the habits of being yourself. Why is change so hard? But also how can we lean into different methods of sustained change over our lives? As usual, you are going to hear about this topic again because one episode, one 20-minute sitting cannot do justice to what I want to unpack and explore here. So thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your time, your ear. And if you think, if you like this episode, please give this podcast a five-star rating. Ratings really help and it shows that I have engaged listeners, of which I know you are. So finally, to everybody who listens all the way through, I want you to leave a hammer in the comments of my IG. So to pick up that hammer and to break and to break the habit of being yourself and to change and to allow change because it is through change we can get to greater and better places. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Have a good afternoon. Have a good morning. Have a good day, guys. I just want to send you love.